0: Welcome to your mind is trying to kill you podcast. Join your host Alexandros Megas, and co-host Vincent Byrne as they walk you through the deepest recesses of the mind and how it operates. They discuss all the reasons why our minds persistently get in the way of our evolution, growth and our success. But crucially, they also teach you what you can do to change your destiny. And now, here's your host Alexandros Megas.
1: the third episode of your mind is trying to kill you this is your host alexandros megas with vincent byrne as a co-host and today we're going to ask a very big question the question that has been asked through time immemorial and there are so many answers for that but this time around we will attempt to get as close to that answer as possible. And that question is, who are we? Last time we touched upon beliefs, belief systems, limiting beliefs or empowering beliefs, what they do to us, how they're formed, how they change us, what the impact is of those beliefs in our lives. And so therefore, today we can say that who we are is an amalgamation of all those belief systems, a compounding of all those belief systems, a sandwiching of all these belief systems, all these belief systems are put together and what they do when they are done is create a block of cement that is what we call our personality. Does this make sense, my friend Vincent?
0: Uh, Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can see how the accumulation of, of our beliefs, good and bad, or positive or negative, whichever way you want to view them or perceive them, I can see how that adds up to produce the set of, I suppose, the, the programs, the, the accumulated programs that we run on. So is, is are you saying that the accumulated programs that we run on is essentially what our personality is?
1: That's exactly what I'm saying.
0: And if that's the case, then is it is it a, is it fair to say then that who we are is is how we see ourselves through the lens of that programming? That's correct. So it's how we see ourselves, and obviously we we act into how we see ourselves.
1: Absolutely. So, in essence, what happens is that let's just. Um, bring up a visual let's say that um, a sculptor a sculptor starts a sculpture in a traditional sense by being given an amorphous block of material be it stone or marble what have you and what they do is they start chiseling parts out of that material and start creating a narrative they start creating a story. They start creating a being, uh, an essence, an entity. So this is what we do throughout our lives. That's the nature of uh, the phrase. You are the artist of your masterpiece, or you know whatever it is that has been said about us creating our lives. And in that sense, that's why this is true because we do sculpt our reality really out of creating the perception of what exists and what doesn't exist you know if i am born blind or should i say visually impaired then i go around creating on a daily basis a perception of what the world is like through the remaining senses that i have and because of what i am doing trying to put things together you know completes the puzzle in essence I'm not completing the puzzle of what the world is like but instead I'm completing the puzzle of what I think the world is like <laughs> this makes sense? it's like a second like the matrix what I think the world is like is being projected ahead of me and assembles my reality does this make sense
0: yeah I think so 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 it's, it's, it's easier to grab the image of, of someone who is visually impaired and they have to make sense of the word, world, as you say, with uh, remaining senses. And then if you extend it, even though we can see, we're doing exactly the same thing. We just have an extra faculty that we can use, but we're still trying to make sense of the world from our perspective. Is that is that fair? Absolutely. yeah. But the analogy you used earlier of, say, the sculpture, who takes the block of stone whatever they have a very conscious and intended uh, act of creating something out of the stone so they have something in their mind as to what they're going to create are you saying that we're we're creating something whether we're conscious or not and for most of us we're not conscious but whether we like it or not we are creating our reality and the trick i suppose I'm uh, so the conclusion I'm getting to is the trick is is getting to a place where we're we're, we're creating our reality consciously
1: yeah uh, exactly well you see you see we are conscious when we create our reality we are unconscious of the fact that our reality is being created the way it's being created so in other words we're not aware of how we're creating the reality you see, we are creating it, just, we just don't know how. We just don't know, you know, like, for example, let's put it this way. You know, let's say you learn how to ride a bike, right? But you don't know anything about physics. Yeah. Yeah, you're a child, right? So all you know is that by starting to <laughs> quickly kind of like pedal one way and the other way and just keep the, the steering wheel as straight as possible, then you can manage to balance and and navigate yourself and just you know go ahead without falling down but you don't know why this happens and you don't know how to avoid the pitfalls this is in essence the unconscious living part where we just go ahead and we just follow along with everything we see in front of us uh, being unaware largely that what we see in front of us is created bias. And that's a concept that it's it's very hard for most people to digest. I mean, including myself at times, you know, this, you know, the the whole idea of uh, living in the matrix in essence, saying that, well, you know, what I'm experiencing now, it feels like that, or it tastes like that, or it smells like that. But then we don't question how that ability to identify that smell is created right because i'm sure there are certain smells that you have grown accustomed to love throughout your life and there are other smells that you have grown accustomed to hate throughout your life and the difference here is in the emotional input of the the moment so each moment, let's, let's just say that, you know, for example, you know, your your mom or your dad was like, uh, angry, uh, you, you know, you came home from work and he's being abused uh, by the boss and all this and he was angry and then he kind of like, he's smoking his pipe, you know, like, hey, daddy, you know, can, can I ask you a question? Oh, just leave me alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, leave me alone. I'm kind of like pushes you away uh, and and then all you smell is that smoke of the cigarette of the pipe and the connection you have to that smell at that moment could turn from an otherwise pleasant smell especially if it's a pipe you know tobacco uh to something that is that is detrimental that is something that can break you down and that can follow you throughout your life yeah yeah makes sense
0: yeah so so in in terms of creating the reality i mean i i think again even the example you gave of the bicycle and learning to ride i mean ultimately you have an objective to learn to ride the bicycle and i think for most of us and i'm absolutely in this category is that what we're doing is we're doing these small things these small tasks, these small accomplishments even on a um, on a day to day basis, but we're not necessarily seeing it being part of creating our reality. We're seeing it more about reacting to what's in front of us or, you know, organizing the job that we're doing or whatever. It's all very much day to day. and. The idea of it creating our reality as a as a you know an overarching view of our reality and um, is not something that I think we ever move to unless we, you know, go to a retreat and you know somebody asks us to reflect on our lives and we start to take a more bird's eye view of it um, and decide that it's okay, but we we'd like it to be better and therefore I'd like it to be like this, whatever this might look like. The concept of being the sculptor in that sense is not something that we are aware of. I don't think it's something that many of us believe that we can actually do. I think we feel, and we've been conditioned to believe that we just need to deal with what's in front of us. And the big stuff is for other people. It's for people who have more money and people who are more privileged and uh, have better opportunity or they were born with, you know, skills that we don't have. So I think that's that's what I mean about, um, for me, about the concept of creating reality that we don't have a sense of a bigger plan. We don't have a sense of trying to create a bigger picture. We just have a sense of doing things on a day to day basis until we stop.
1: Yes. That's exactly what happens. And, and we don't, of course. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, coming from a privileged background doesn't help. But as much as it helps, it's also just as detrimental, you know, because if you, if you grow up having everything, then you are just as likely to not do anything with your life, to not expand because you don't have to as you are, to continue and do things because, you know, you just realize the importance of what it is that you have and you are obligated to expand on it. But the idea here is this, that every every day is really sculpted by our perception. And I know that sounds like uh, gobbledygook <laughs> to, to most people. It sounds like gibberish. And I understand that. I get it. But when you wake up pissed off at yourself, at the world, at you know everything—your your relations, your job, your whatever—you are transferring all these emotions onto concrete evidence. We've talked about that. This this stuff becomes belief systems. You see, like uh, because if I can say that you're responsible for the reason why my life is like that dad you know because you are an asshole and you've been mistreating me or whatever so that's why i am like that but and you can say that into a certain from a certain angle that can be correct but if you agree upon that you rob yourself of the opportunity to have the power to correct that in other words if you are a victim if someone else is doing stuff to you, then you can't change it because it's in the hands of someone else to change it. Yeah. But if it's and this is the nature of taking responsibility, by the way, which uh, what it means at large, this is why this is such a four letter world word, um in especially I think in this country, taking responsibility is something that most people hate. Why? Because it has been linguistically synonymous with being at fault. Like, nobody, wants to be, nobody wants to be at fault. What? You're taking responsibility. Why, it's not my fault that I am who I am, right? That's, that's the first thing that people think about. Hmm. It's not my fault. But what does it mean to be at fault? So that's a negative connotation that this society has transferred on linguistically over onto us and we act upon that. We don't dispel that. This is a spell, right? It's a spell. As every part of the linguistic adventure is a spell. I you to spell a word. It's a spell. It's a magical spell. This is why when you do, when you create an affirmation, and that affirmation is operating the way that it should be, and we will examine that down the road more specifically and thoroughly, So when you do, when you create an affirmation, what do you do? You create a spell. You are putting together words that have a certain significance and a certain vibration, now value, and this creates and alters reality. That's what the affirmation does. And it does it for that reason. So being at fault sounds negative, but being responsible for who you are, sounds empowering there's a big difference between those two two statements yeah if if i am responsible for my condition that means that oops (laughs) i made a mistake i thought that this was so but it's not so and i just realized and so i can you know go ahead and correct it you know like oh i was building this garden and since i was entirely unaware of how to build a proper garden i screwed it up and I just realized that I screwed it up. So what now? Oh, I can go back and fix it. You see, that's taking responsibility as opposed to a lot of us who will realize that, will realize, oh, you know, that's that's not the correct way. That's not done right and then project it on the outside to somebody else. You know, an institution, uh, the banking cartel, you know, what have you. Again, not to take, not to make light uh, about any of the outside factors that shape our realities, but ultimately how we deal, how we take responsibility for our own lives is what really creates a new path for us to walk on, and that path is magical. Sure.
0: So it's, it's um, yeah, I get the way that fault and responsible are used interchangeably, in particular when they're used in an accusatory way. Um, so it's easy to see how people get confused and uh, even offended when you might suggest that they're responsible for something uh, because they immediately interpret it in the way that fault is interpreted. But um, It's a little bit like the, um, that guy, Jocko Willink, he talks about, it may not be your fault, but you need to take ownership. It's, you know, taking responsibility, taking ownership, pretty much, I suppose, the same thing. It means that you've got power to do something about it. And uh, it's getting ourselves into that place where we believe that we can do something about it and therefore correct the mistake You know in terms of building the garden for example and not beating ourselves up about it not feeling bad because something went wrong just taking responsibility and saying okay we can do something about it we can change it so yeah so i get that and uh, that distinction so in terms of the, the the original question i suppose who are we and and what that means in the context of 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 designing our life or creating our new reality i mean what 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 are the key things that that we need to zone in on when we're thinking about that
1: well you know it comes down to do you want a designer life or do you want a generic life most people choose a generic life because they don't they see do you know what the, the biggest problem here is that what we call education is actually, if you think about it, you know, taking responsibility uh, for your life is indoctrination. And people are like, oh, how dare you? How dare you? That's, that's, that's atrocious. Uh, but think of it this way. Look, what, what do we learn? What do you learn when you go to school? Do you learn? And if, if you learn... If what what you learn is the accumulation of dates and places and names for things that supposedly have happened in the past, and and you get tested on those, and so you are being really tested for how well your memory works, Uh, and of course how well you can parrot things because that's most of the the learning the supposed learning process that happens in school. There's no there's very little critical thinking, you know, because what is critical thinking? Once again we'll go into the critical factor. The critical thinking is about being able to question everything. This, This is what makes us grand. If our ability to question things so we can derive it better, hopefully better Answers about the way our lives can work better is massive. And none of that stuff happens generally, you know, when you go to school. So people don't know. If You think if you told little kids that they really have superpowers and that their imagination can, can really alter the course of reality for themselves and everybody else around them? Do you think that these people would bow down to their corporate masters and agree to do as they're told? Do you think that would happen? Would that happen to you? I mean, forget about being a kid. Someone came to you now, like an angel from up above, came down and said, Vincent, my friend, <laughs> there is t- it's about time for you to learn something and and i'm telling you this because for whatever reason you have been unable to decide for that for yourself your entire life so here it is whatever you say from your heart whatever you whatever phrase comes straight from your heart and you utter that outside into the world that phrase creates your next step your your reality your everything and if that could be validated like that to you by a vision like that, that would completely overwhelm you. Do you think that you would go ahead doubting yourself ever again?
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. But the, the problem is that you keep we keep on doubting ourselves because we are being taught to doubt ourselves. This is what the state of affairs has been, right? Who do you think you mm. are? How many times have you heard that? Yes. And what is the what is the the title of this segment? Is who are we, right? And when you are asked who do you think you are, what you are really asked is why don't you understand that you are completely insignificant? You are a piece of garbage. You are nothing. You're a speck of dust in a vast universe, and you mean nothing. Right? This is what we all learn time and time again. This is what the belief system that comes upon us and becomes concrete within us Yeah. every day of our lives. This yeah. is what happens. Because I
0: think it's also saying, apart from the fact that you're insignificant, it's also, it's usually put to people who do things that are different uh, and they're outside the norm. And it's it's usually the idea is usually to push you back to comply with what everyone else is doing, everyone else who's playing the game. So it's who do you think you are by, you know, singing like that in that place or <clears throat> painting on the wall or, you know, it's it's usually doing something like that. Um, it's being different. It's expressing who you are when, in fact, that question is geared more towards putting you back in. You don't need to be unique. You just need to comply with what everyone else is doing. So I think that's the that's the fundamental programming that you're getting. Uh, and I think the, in, in addition to what you're saying about school and what we're taught, the other thing that we're taught, which I think is destructive, is it's about being right or wrong. And unless you are right and pass your exams by being right, then you won't progress. It's it's all about fitting into that particular um, model, which is simplistic, but it keeps it very much about people just being right or wrong. So therefore, people don't take risks because they're afraid of being wrong. Um, and people play it safe because they know what they need to do to just be right. So. That's what I think drives um from what I've seen a lot of the conditioning that um that people have and and it's it's only in these conversations that I'm really realizing that it's all of that was a form of hypnosis uh in order to get people to think like that and it's no wonder that we've got this very limiting programming and even perception of ourselves that we don't actually think that we could we we can create and we can achieve all the things that in our hearts we would like to achieve, but in our heads, our heads have that programming which says, you don't deserve this, you couldn't do this, who do you think you are? Get back in to comply
1: with the masses. Exactly. Mm. That's what it is. And and you <laughs> you said it, this is like, how dare you be different? This is really what this is about. Yeah. How dare you try something else, but that which has been implanted in your head since you were born. How dare you? How dare you try something else? And this is why the fear of being different is so intense Mm. because people don't, you know, once again, of course, this is the nature of the tribe as well. Think about it. The tribe doesn't, aim towards progress Mm. the tribe aims towards conservation towards survival Mm. so it is in the in the nature of the tribe to hold you back and when i say tribe i mean you know ultimately you know an, an entire country is a tribe but even your family you know yeah absolutely this is this is exactly where it starts it's your family and your friends your circle is it A coincidence? Is it a coincidence that most people are held back from attempting to step outside of their norm uh, because they're being held back by the people that love them or supposedly love them the most? Mm. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Because these people will step in front of you because they realize somehow, subconsciously, you know, of course, people will say, well, you know, I'm trying to protect you from being ruined or whatever, you know, and to some to a certain conscious level, uh, th- that is a sincere thought. But subconsciously, what they are fearing is losing you, losing you as part of the tribe, because when you step outside of yourself, and you can discover you know, like um, have you have you read have you read the Jonathan Livingston Seagull yeah. or yes. uh, yeah you know like Richard Bach is awesome yeah. showcasing that kind of um, impetus. You know, no one is going to no one who is around you who has grown accustomed to who you are, right, will allow you to step outside of that because you have determined who you are at some point, and there is a universe, a little universe of spirits, of souls around you that have also accepted that version of who you are. And then, therefore, any deviation from that version of who you have provided before, projected, will be detrimental to your relationship to the tribe. Yeah.
0: I mean, I I, I used to uh, get it. It doesn't happen now, but... Um... My eldest son, he uh, when he left college, he got the opportunity to go to Paris and he, was, he wanted to play music. So he went and uh, so he went and then he went to Greece and then went to Austria and was traveling around for a few years. And then the question started, well, you know, that's what he's doing. But when is he going to come back and get a proper job? And uh, fortunately, I never had any particular, neither had his mum, an inclination to want to corral him like that. But uh, you you get the 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 question from time to time: when is when is he going to, you know, like he's twenty eight now, so you know, when is he going to, you know, get a real job? When is he going to come back? How long is how long more is he going to be traveling? Yeah, you can see it everywhere, and you can also see it in the way that you know, parents will try and guide their kids to, they'll say things like, there's, there's, uh, don't do art and that kind of stuff. There's no, like, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no good jobs in, in, in design and art and all that sort of stuff, you know, get a, get, you know, become a lawyer or an accountant or a doctor or something like that, you know, a good, solid job, that kind of stuff. You get that kind of thing.
1: And isn't it amazing that, Ironically, the people that end up making it are the people who come from environments that really don't give a crap. Yeah, <laughs> you know because they have no one to stop them. You know what I mean? It's like it's like, hey, you know, whatever. Do I don't give a shit. You know what you do? You just do whatever. You, or there's there's not even anyone there. Yeah. To, to either encourage you or discourage you from doing something. And then, you know, inevitably, what are you going to do? You're just going to follow that voice from within, you know, that is that is running wild. And that is what we have snuffed out of existence in this society. Mm. And, you know, I'm saying that, including myself, you know, I, have, I, I look back and there's been so many times that I have all these talents that I've put them in the freezer because they were not appropriate (laughs) at the moment. You know what I mean? I didn't know what to do with them. And so, you know, hey, you you got responsibilities, you know, you got to uh, raise a family or whatever. And then uh, you should not put, you know, yourself over anyone else. That's, that's, That's another thing. That's another belief system that is actually very prevailing in this society but but here's a question if you put yourself over anyone else's desire including your own family what are you really doing in my experience and my perception what you're doing is you are putting your divine guidance on top of everyone else and everything else Mm. you're putting that which really pours out of your heart unstoppably and wildly and does not want to be tamed. You're putting that on top. And if you don't put that on top of everything else, you know, if you don't give it top priority, what are you going to give top priority to? Because what it comes down to here, and as I've always understood and now i see it being a parent myself what your kids are going to do is not what you tell them to do Mm. but mainly what they see in you absolutely so absolutely so if you become uh, someone who has resigned to be a follower and a slave of a situation how it doesn't matter what you try to teach your kids because they will see they will know that being defeated is you know being defeated is the way to exist is the way to actually get things done and and this is you know Robert Kiyosaki actually talks about that with the rich dad poor dad yeah. uh but he talks about how his biological dad as uh, educated as he was and as Uh, you know awesome as he was and as uh, smart and intelligent he actually would have driven his son to uh, his ruin if his son were to pay attention to him rather than the other guy that he was uh, influenced ultimately by because he was
0: a civil servant or something his own dad wasn't he or something he was like some
1: yeah some sort of a yeah but, you know, high-end, kind of like on an executive level, kind of yeah. like a PhD or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, again, we're not knocking any kind of calling or profession
0: mm.
1: here. This isn't the point. The point is that you have to find out what it is that draws you to whatever it is that's ahead of you. You have to find out what that is and you have to follow that. I mean, you don't have to, you know, but if you don't, then you are almost guaranteed to live a life that will be less than. And I have done a few past life regressions Uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, is you can hypnotically be regressed based on the concept that the subconscious is you know, our higher self, if you will. It's that essence of who we are that is being carried from lifetime to lifetime. And that these days, that is actually a, a more um, accepted view. It, it used to be very, a very bewildering view, but now a lot more people actually understand that as something that is actually very possible. But, you know, I'm not going to talk out of... Uh, Uh, speculation here I'm talking about people that I have put into that kind of very deep hypnotic state and they have revealed things to me and ultimately themselves about what it is that where it is that they came from and how their lives their previous lives their past lives have not only determined the Quality of that lifetime, but many, sometimes many lives ahead, because this is what we do. When you, when you make a, a strong and firm decision about who you're going to be, uh, you know, on a certain subconscious level, that is called making an agreement. And that agreement is like a massive magic spell that carries you around, mm-hmm. right? So these people, a lot of them would be in tears over the fact that they would reveal, they would be in revelation of their spirit really showing them at the end of their past life that my regret, my true regret is that I didn't go as far as I could mm. and I think that this is a good place to end this today yeah with that kind of contemplation am I going as far as I could and this is the the phrase that well, you know if you were on your deathbed you know right now if you were about it it's funny because at the moment that this is being recorded we're going through as a, a you know, coronavirus pandemic. So people can relate to that. If you were to die during the next couple of months, what would you regret? What would you regret about the way you've lived your life? And the answer that you get will be a perfect guide onto what it is that you need to do from here on
0: out. It reminds me of the story that Wayne Dyer used to tell. Um, And like that, at the end of it, the advice of uh, this guy who was on his deathbed uh, to his kids was don't
1: die with your
0: music still in you.
1: That's right. Yeah, exactly. And this is, oh my God, you know, lately, in the past year or so, this notion has become so real in me so intense, that this is what you know, people look for motivation. Uh, You know, left and right, they look to see, but, you know, in essence, there is no motivation that comes from the outside. The real motivation comes from getting an inner understanding of what it feels like to step to the end of your timeline without having fulfilled that which you came here to do.
0: Yeah. And I think getting past the question, because that's often what I come across when I'm dealing with clients, is that they have this desire to do something which takes them away from, let's call it the regular job or the job that they've had in their first or second career. And they now want to do something which perhaps they've always wanted to do, but never had the courage or the opportunity to do it. And their first question which can often kill things, is how can I make money at this? Because that unfortunately always comes into play. And I suppose it's trying to get a sense of purpose and drive and desire and and, an inner motivation to move you past that and just get you to start doing it without having to worry about where the money is going to come from. It's not about being irresponsible. It's just about pressing ahead with that passion in order to be doing it in whatever way you can do it. And the money, if it's supposed to happen, the money will follow. But don't let it kill your music is really what we're saying.
1: That's right. And we should, I mean, that's a topic that we should devote an entire episode to. But in the meantime, until next week, let's be careful out there and don't let your mind kill you.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Mind is Trying to Kill You with Alexandros Megas and Vincent Byrne. If you like our show and want to make sure that you don't miss an episode, then we would love if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And you'd be doing us a big favor if you would support us by leaving a review as well. It would also be great if you would take a screenshot of this episode on your smartphone and share it on social media. So join us next Wednesday when we talk more about mind hacking and taking back control of your life. Until then, have a great week.